Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. I want to speak to you about the first four verses in the book of Hebrews today. I love the book of Hebrews. It's been one of my favorite. You know, I really think that, you know, I've heard different people say that, you know, there's no systematic theology in the New Testament because, you know, it's all letters written to people. But it's just my thought that, you know, if there ever was something, a systematic thing laid out, it's got to be the book of Hebrews, you know? And it's taking, Hebrews is all about taking uh, the worshipers, the new, the early church from the Judaic, Jewish worship into worshiping Jesus. And that's what a lot of the book is about. And I love it because it really shows you the right perspective between the New Testament, which is what we are. We're New Testament people. Amen. We live in the New Testament. Shows you the right perspective between the New Testament and the Old Testament. You know, the Old Testament is for us, but we have never been, unless you're Jewish, we've never actually been under the, the law, the Old Covenant. Right, that was between God and Israel, but what God was doing in Israel, we as the church are now supposed to be doing for the whole world. He wanted to redeem the world, be a witness of Himself to the nations through Israel, but now He's working through the church. Amen. So whereas we were, we'd been preaching on a bearing fruit, and you know the fruit that God expected Israel to bear is He wanted them to be the light of the world, a witness to the nation, and all of these things were fulfilled in Jesus. And now you are in Jesus. So that means you share his ministry. So you are supposed to be the light of the world. You are supposed to be shining a light to the nations. You're supposed to be bearing his witness and carrying his word and, and, and being a revelation, a, 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 um, an example of who God is in the world today. So I'm excited about uh, the book of Hebrews. But if you look with, uh, with me at chapter one, starting at verse one, it says this. Long ago, And at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophet. Everybody say, God spoke. spoke. See, that is so important. God spoke. Have you ever been given the silent treatment? You know what I'm talking about? Silent treatment? Yeah. (laughs) You're not supposed to amen that maybe, but... I mean, I know you guys have never done it to anybody else, but I mean, like me, you've probably heard of it happening to other people, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know the silent treatment where conversation is reduced to grunts. <laughs> mm. Yeah, no. <laughs> Until you finally give in, you say, hey, "What's wrong? Is something wrong? Did I do something wrong?" No. <laughs> Are you okay? Fine. <laughs> you know how it works. I don't have to. You know the problem with me is I'm like, "Are you fine?" Yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> I'm so dense sometimes it takes me a long time to figure out if I'm actually getting the silent treatment or not, you know? So if you ever offended at me and want me to have the, you know, want to let me know, you better just come up and tell me, don't do the silent treatment because I'll be like, okay. (laughs) And, you know, sometimes it's not always, it's not always, um, you know, on purpose too. Sometimes you, you think somebody's giving you the silent treatment, but sometimes they're just, you know, for me, I'm just, you know, occupied or going somewhere or doing something, you know, in fact, I was, I realized even last week, it was right here, uh, Meshach was here and uh, I was talking to him and I turned my back to, to do something for a minute. I came back and he disappeared and I remembered it later. And I was like, oh my gosh, I just 
turn my back? I didn't mean to. He was just gone. I hope he doesn't think. I actually called him. I said, man, did you need to tell me anything? Because I wasn't trying to give him the, the silent treatment or the cold shoulder, you know. But um, see, that's why, that's why for me, I can't do social media. It just wears me out, you know, especially the new stuff now where like, you know, when you send the message, like there's a, it indicates that they've received it and they've read it, you know, you know what I'm talking about? You're like, oh my gosh, they read it. Why didn't they respond? Are they ignoring me? <laughs> I have no energy for that. That just, that drive me up a wall. That's why I stay off of that stuff. <laughs> it's just too much work to keep track. So, so, you know, I've just decided to live a life, not be offended, Try not to be offended. Try not to offend people, but not be offended because you don't know. I mean, some of you guys have probably texted me or something at times. I know I've probably done it to you, Rich. And I look at it and say, oh, that's good. I'm going to get back at it. And then, you know, by the end of the day, it's scrolled down and you forget it. It doesn't mean that you don't, didn't read it or don't care. Or you're, it's, just, it's just a matter of, uh, you know. So we've we got to be careful about, you know. Uh, given, given one another the silent treatment. You know, the silent treatment actually can be a kind of abuse um, for some, if it's a long-term thing. I mean, there's reasons for silence, you know. Even the silent treatment is a good form of communication, right? <laughs> to a degree. But, you know, real relationships are built on openness, communication, availability, right? Emotional availability. You've got to be present in a relationship. You know, you've got to speak. You've got to communicate, and I'm so glad that God speaks. God did not give us the silent treatment. I'm so glad that when Adam, you know, did that thing, Adam and Eve in the garden, that God just didn't give them the silent treatment. So I'm going to wait for them to come to me and beg. What's the matter, God? Where are you? Nothing. I'm fine. <laughs> you know, if God would have done that, we would have been completely lost. Because all, all God had to do for us to be lost was nothing. And the very first thing that God did was he showed up and he spoke. That's what God did. See, that's how God gets things done. He speaks. Powerful word. He speaks. And he came and, you know, first he told them about the curses and the consequences of what their new life is going to be like under this curse of sin that they brought on themselves. And then the next thing he does, he spoke to the devil, to the snake, to the serpent. And he said this, you can find it in Genesis 3.15. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. What's he doing? He's predicting Jesus. This is what scholars call the Evangelion. This is the first mention of the gospel in the Bible, right here in the beginning, the, the, the third chapter of the Bible, right after they sin, he starts predicting somebody's gonna come and he's going to crush your head. He's going to rescue the people. He starts speaking a word. Starts speaking. Hebrews 1, 1. Long ago and at many times and in many ways, God spoke. He spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Verse 2. But in these last days, say the last days. That's the days we're living in. He has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels 
as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Like so many books in the New Testament, you have got the, the, these introductions sometimes are so dense. There's so much here that really a lot of this is unpacked through the whole rest of the book. As you go through these first four verses and start studying, I found that it takes me through all the different passages in the book of Hebrews to explain all of these different things. But today I want to talk about God who spoke. God who spoke. Long ago at many times and in many ways, many times, many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But even in the prophets, who was speaking? It was God. Many ways, God spoke. Many times, God spoke. In all of these things, it was God speaking. You know, um, uh, think about the different ways that God spoke. You remember um, uh, uh, Gideon? And there was an angel, right? Remember when the three men appeared to Abraham and they spoke to Abraham? Uh, a lot of people think that one of those was, you know, a pre-incarnate uh, manifestation of Jesus because he received worship. God was speaking to Abraham, speaking to Gideon, right? Think of, um, look at, uh, think of Daniel. Look at Daniel um, 7, uh, Daniel 7, 1. In the first year, Belshazzar, king of Babylon, in the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions of his head as he lay in his bed. Then he wrote them down, wrote down the dream and told the sum of the matter. So Daniel is laying there on his bed and he's getting these dreams and visions. And that's God giving them to him. And they bothered him and he couldn't figure out what they meant. So he goes to pray about it. And then the angel Gabriel comes and explains it to him, right? And God was speaking to him, the prophet Daniel. But it was God speaking. Amen? Moses, the Lord spoke to Moses face to face. Do you remember that? Face to face. Exodus 33, 11. So, Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Isn't that good? That has to be clear communication, right? And, and one of the Jewish traditions is that, you know, he, Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, right? And uh, one of the Jewish traditions is that God literally gave it to him, each character. It was exact. He wrote down exactly exactly what the Lord gave him because he spoke to him face to face. Numbers 12, starting at verse six, six through eight. And he said, hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. So God gives visions, he gives dreams. And who's the one speaking behind the visions and the dreams? It's God. God is giving visions and dreams. Verse seven, not so with my servant Moses, he is faithful in all my house. With him, I speak mouth to mouth, clearly, and not in riddles. So does God speak in riddles? To some people, he speaks in riddles. To Moses, he spoke clearly, mouth to mouth. Isn't that cool? And he beholds from the Lord. And then he goes and corrects them. Why then are you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Because <laughs> I'm speaking to him clearly, and he's speaking my words. Don't you talk bad about Moses. <laughs> Listen to Hosea 12, 10. I spoke to the prophets. It was I who multiplied visions and through the prophets gave parables. 
So parables, riddles. Um, what was the other word up here? I, uh, I speak with him and not so much. Yeah, dreams and vision and uh, not with riddle. Riddles, that was the word. Riddles, you know what I mean? He gives these prophets different things, but it's still God speaking. God is speaking behind all of these things. Amos 3, 7 says, for the Lord does nothing without revealing his secret to his servants, the prophets. But it's the Lord speaking. And the prophetic ministry is still for today too. You guys will remember Acts chapter two, right? What's it say? Acts chapter two, verse 17. And then the last days, the last days, and it shall be that God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my male servants and my female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. See, so there's many times and there's many ways that God has spoken in the earth through prophets, through Moses, through the law. You know, God gave, spoke to um, Moses face to face, but he gave the people the law. That was his revelation to them of what he is like. Keep these laws, keep this, do this, right? See, God speaks differently with different levels of clarity depending on the circumstances. And you know, you do the same thing. When you're talking to your kids, it's a lot different than when you're talking to an adult, right? I mean, if you have little kids like I do, <laughs> when you're talking to kids, it's a lot, and, and the bad thing is when you're so used to talking to your kids that you start talking to adults like that, <laughs> and then they stare at you like, what? <laughs> but uh, I just got done this week um, signing some legal papers. Um, you guys know I sold, we sold our business, me and my dad, and so I had to sign the, the thing, so I'd been reviewing these papers. Could you imagine if I sat my kids down, you know, after dinner, they're sitting there at the table, and I say, inasmuch as I henceforth referred to as your father... Certify that I have sole discretion regarding your nutritional activities, including but not limited to you remaining upon these premises until such time that you have ingested in totality the edible provisions provided to you and that remain on your plate. I do hereby exercise my right to deny your request to be excused from this table until such time that the provisions are satisfactorily consumed. That would be accurate, <laughs> but they'd be like, what? What? <laughs> But what do I say to the kids? No, you sit there. <laughs> no dessert. I give them the law, don't I? <laughs> See, they understand law. No dessert till you eat that. What, what I would really say if I could express my heart was, guys, I'm really concerned for your health. And as a good father, I want you to learn discipline. And I want you to learn how to eat the right kinds of food. But, you know, they might not understand that. But they do understand no dessert till you finish that. <laughs> so when God spoke through the law, People couldn't always understand his heart, but they could understand, <laughs> you do this, that's bad. <laughs> you don't do this, or you go pay the price for it. You know what I'm saying? So God was communicating truth through the law, through the prophets. It was always God speaking. So the maturity and understanding of your audience and, and the circumstances that you're, that you're in determines a lot about what, how you speak to somebody, right? Would you agree with that? So Hebrews 1, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us in a son, in his son. Verse 1, look at verse 1. It says, long ago at many times, compare that to now, 
in these last days. We are living in the last days, right? First one says God spoke. It was God speaking through the prophets. Today, it is God speaking. See, it's the same person speaking through the prophets and through the son. Verse one says he spoke to our fathers. Verse two says he's speaking to us. Verse one says that he spoke in many ways by the prophets. Verse two says he's speaking by a son. Isn't that good? But it's still God speaking. And see, what I like about this passage is this. There's always, to understand what the Bible is really saying, you've got to see there is a continuity. There's a storyline that starts right there at the Garden of Eden, and it just goes right through the Bible all the way up to present time. It's a continuous thing. And, and you've got to understand that there is continuity. Yet at the same time, when Jesus arrived on the scene, he brought something new. There was a fulfillment. There was a change. There was a shift, right? And so we make a mistake if we try to just to say, okay, everything begins in Jesus. Let's throw away all the Old Testament. We don't need the Old Testament anymore, you know? I've actually... Um, I've actually uh, heard a lot of that, you know, just talking to people. They, they, they kind of, sometimes they don't actually say this, but the idea they present is that, you know, well, God tried to give us righteousness to make us right by the law, but nobody could do it. So he just did away with all of that. And then he decided to give us Jesus, you know, and, and now we don't have to worry about any of that anymore. And, you know, there's nuggets of truth in that. But, you know, unless you're Jewish, you were never given the law. <laughs> you were never under the law. So how are you ever going to be made right? You know what I mean? It misunderstands the actual purpose of what God was doing in the Old Testament. It misunderstands um, the law, really. You know, even in the Old Testament, think about it. Think about it. I believe everybody, even under the law, were justified by faith. Same way Abraham was justified by faith before the law. King David was justified by faith under the law. We're justified by faith after the law. Think about it. According to the law, you transgress one little part of it, you're a lawbreaker. And here's King David, who's an adulterer and murderer. How did he get justified? By faith. He didn't find his righteousness under the law. He found it by grace, same way we do, right? By grace. So how did they express their faith in the Old Testament? Again, like I said, the book of Hebrews Remember Hebrews chapter 11, the faith chapter, right? See, they were believing for something. The promises, you know, the first promise they're given right after Adam and Eve sinned. It was um, about the one coming, the seed of the woman, who will crush the head of the servant, right? But he starts speaking, he gives them words and prophecies and promises. And it says, see, they were looking for the promise of God. They were looking for a city whose designer and builder is God, they were looking for the Messiah to come and set the world right. And in expecting that, they were living their lives like that was true, like that was really going to happen. They were ordering their lives accordingly. That's what the book of uh, the chapter, Hebrews chapter 11 is all about. They were living their lives by faith and they were ordering. I mean, why, why, why is it that, you know, um, the, the woman who received the spies, remember that? Well, all she did was hide the spies. 
Why? Because she believed by faith that they were going to take the land. And that was counted as faith to her, right? Then you go over to um, Joseph when he blessed his sons or, you know, and, but it says in Hebrews that he gave them instructions to carry his bones. He believed that they were going to Exodus at some point and go back to the land that was promised to them. And he ordered his life by that. He said, make sure you take my bones with me when you go. And that was counted to him as faith. See, when you order your life, when you live your life, according to this word, because you believe that it's true, that is one expression of faith. You believe this and you put feet to it and hands and actions. You know what I'm saying? Faith without works is dead. But when we really believe this, it does change how we think and how we live our lives. Amen? So it's, it's faith. Hebrews eleven thirteen. these all died in faith. Say in faith. Not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar. They couldn't enter into it, but they saw it and they greeted it from afar. And having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth, they were looking for that city made without hands. So they didn't understand everything, but they were waiting for what was promised. And that's what made them right with God. They believed him. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. So in terms of this continuity that I'm trying to express between the New Testament and the Old Testament, look at Acts 26, 22. This gives you a really good picture of it. This is Paul, and he's defending himself against the angry mob there in Jerusalem who's ready to stone him. And he says, to this day, I have had the help that comes from God. And so I stand here testifying to both small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass. In other words, Paul is saying this new experience that I'm having with Jesus, the Messiah and doing these things <laughs> and, and my new kind of worship, not under the law. I'm not worrying about all this circumcision and all these things that you guys are imposing. These things that I'm preaching is nothing other than what the prophets and Moses said would happen. So do you see the continual line right from the beginning, right up through today? It's nothing but what God was saying was going to happen through it's God speaking, right? It's God speaking. And look at um, Romans 3.21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The law and the prophets are testifying. That's what they were here for, to testify, to point to a, direct, a school teacher, Paul said, to bring us to Christ. They had their function. They had their role. And you, especially if you're not Jewish, we're never going to find righteousness under the law. But God had you in mind, the world in mind, when he set this whole thing in motion. He had you in mind. He had the nations in mind when he called Abraham. He said, all nations will be blessed through you. He had you in mind when he gave them the law and called out a nation, Israel, and said, you'll be my light and my witness to the ends of the world so I can bring salvation to the ends of the world. He always had us in mind, always. Isn't that good? So it's because it was God speaking in the prophets and in Jesus, the son, there's always going to be agreement. Always going to be agreement. Jesus didn't contradict the law. He fulfilled the law. Would you agree with that? Mm -hmm. So um, as people of the Messiah, people of Jesus, Christians, we fulfill the law too. We do. Listen to Romans 8, 3, and 4. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, 
he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. See, it's a work of the spirit that actually, actually, it's, it's like this. This is the best way that I've, I've been able ever to describe it. It's like the law, when it was there in, 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 in effect, then grace and truth. You know, the Bible says um, uh, the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, right? So here we are chugging along the Jews under the law and the law's doing its thing and it's condemning people and telling them if they've done right or wrong, right? And then here comes Jesus with grace and truth and the law and, and, and people take off with Jesus and the law points and he says, that's it. That's what I was trying to do all along. That's exactly what I was trying to say. Almost like if you were, you know, running a relay race and law is running and it hands off the baton to grace and truth and grace and truth takes it and runs with it. And the law is like, you go. <laughs> you know, we've made such a contradiction sometimes between that. Say, oh, that's legal. Don't put me under the law. Don't, you know, um, that's, 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 uh, well, we're under grace. You know, there's no contradiction here. There was grace even under the law. All God had to do was nothing. Silent treatment, not speak. We would have been lost. So the very fact that he stood there and spoke and gave the law and spoke through the prophets was nothing other than grace. You see grace all through the scriptures, all the way through. And how much more grace and truth in Jesus Christ? Because God can speak clearly through Jesus, more clearly than he could through the prophets, more clearly than he could through Moses, more clearly than he could through the law. He could show us what his heart and his nature was like. Because in Jesus, there's something new. Jesus is the arrival of what was hoped for, the fulfillment of all of this. Romans 3.21 says, but now, we just read it, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. See, but now. I preached on that months ago when, we, when I first started here. But now, but now. But now means there's something new. See, there's this continuity from the, from the prophets and everything. But now. There's something new. And the other danger, the first danger is losing the continuity of what God is doing on the earth. The other danger is not recognizing that in Jesus, there's a big but now. God is doing something new. And it's so easy. It's an ever-present danger in the church. It always has been since the beginning to fall back into legalism, to fall back into an old covenant mindset. It's always been a present danger and it's no less today. Hebrews 1, what I'm reading, 1, 1 and 2, long ago and many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, but now in these last days, he's speaking to us in his son. See, an old covenant mindset is this. Let me explain to you a few things. An old covenant mindset is always looking for somebody to hear from God for you. An old covenant mindset is always looking for the prophet or the priest or somebody who can get, get to God for you. Now, we're a body of Christ and we're here to encourage one another. And like I said, I believe the gifts of prophecy and these words of wisdom are all for today. Okay, But that's why I think in the New Testament, we say, you know, a, a, a prophecy usually confirms something God's already speaking to you because you should be connected to God. You should be hearing something of God just in your own life because why? My sheep know my voice. 
and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. So the old covenant mindset's always trying to get to somebody to get something from God, but the new covenant mindset can go and receive from God, can hear his voice, right? The old covenant mindset is always looking for somebody to receive from God for you. You know what I'm saying? And that's fine. Again, these gifts are in the church. They're here to help one another. Gifts of healings and miracles and more, all that stuff. I'm, we believe all of that here. <laughs> and and, and uh, we are so happy to help one another. But the truth of the matter is too, you can also go boldly to the throne of grace and obtain grace and mercy in your time of need. You can go right there and receive from the Father. So this is a new, new covenant mindset. The old covenant mindset is always like wanting to go back under some kind of legalism, right? Legalism being either reward or punishment, right? In other words, if I do this, if I, if I you know, do all these certain things enough, then God will bless me, right? Or if I can't do that, can't do that, because I'll be cursed, you know what I'm trying to say? Um, it's, it's work, it's reward-based works. The thing about that is, like I've been preaching about bearing fruit, there are certain things you can do that make your life more conducive to fruit bearing. But God has already chosen you. He has already called you. He's already placed you in him. You're not going to earn a higher position than being made like Christ, recreated in his image, right? You know, I mean, how many of you guys believe in biblical creation? You know, that God spoke and created the world, right? Right, God created. So so not evolution, not, you know, you didn't come from a monkey ancestor. You believe that God created you the way you are, okay? So let me ask you this. Why do we think sometimes that, if we keep on coming to church and doing the right things, that eventually we will evolve into the kind of Christian God wants us to be. When he says, any man who is in Christ is a new creation, not a new evolution, a new creation. See, you're gonna find, how in the world can I be getting something more from him when he's already given me Jesus and the Holy Spirit? You know what I mean? Whenever we begin to grow up and operate in these things, we find out that, <laughs> Rich was just telling me this. Um, we find out that we've had them all along because they're ours through what Jesus has done. He's given to us with him. How shall he not freely give us all things? So we have them in him. That's the basis of them. Now it's our job to grow up in them and walk in them, but we're not gonna come to a place where, you know, I'm super holy apostle. Now I have an increased anointing poured out on me. No, I have the Holy Spirit. I have Jesus. If you have Jesus, now grow up in him. Let that anointing increase and flow through you. Amen? New Testament. We're not, trying to, we're not on the outside trying to get to God. We're on the inside growing up in him. Amen? always looking to add something instead of realizing that when he gave you Jesus, he gave you all things. The Old Testament mindset is always learning something, but never being able to come to the knowledge of the truth. It's a miserable place to be. Legalistic is what that is. Legalistic. There's a place that we can step into 
because of what Jesus has provided for us. Now, as we go on through our lives as a church and we step into the things of the Spirit, we need a fixed point of reference, okay? Jesus said to the Pharisees, he says, you guys are in error because you don't know the scriptures or the power of God. You don't know the scriptures or the power of God. If you want a reference for that, that's gonna be, um, I have it written down here somewhere. Matthew 22, 29. See, we need to understand the scriptures. This is the weight that Jesus placed on the scriptures. You need to know the scriptures, but you also need to know the power of God. If you know just the scriptures and not the power of God, then what you have is just a code for living so that you can try to make it in this earth and hopefully go to heaven when you die. There's so much more that God has for us in this stepping into some of these things in Christ. But if you just have the power of God and no scriptures, how do you have a reference to know that what you're hearing is even God? How are you going to stay on track? You need an anchor. You need a place of reference. You know what I'm saying? Now, you ever you ever go stay at somebody's house or stay in a motel room in a place that's unfamiliar and you wake up and it's dark and you don't remember the room that you were in and you wake up and you get out of bed and you all of a sudden you realize you're in a different room and you can't find where you are. So you're kind of groping in the dark and you work your way and all of a sudden you find the wall. It's like, okay, here's the wall. So I know the door was over here somewhere, right? You find the doorway, it's got to be a light switch, you know, maybe around the corner. Oh, there we go. Okay. That wall doesn't move. That's why you can use that wall as a reference. That wall was right where you left it last night. It didn't move. The door was connected to the wall. The light switch was connected to the wall. You need a fixed point of reference. And, you know, Rin Kim was telling me, um, we were talking about this one time and some friends who went to the big city and they didn't, they didn't want to get lost when they left their room. So they were going out exploring. And um, so they go out and they said, well, we need a landmark so we can get back. And they said, well, look, there's a tree with a Jeep parked underneath it. When we come back, we'll just look for the tree with the Jeep parked underneath it. Can you think what might be the problem with using a tree with a Jeep parked underneath it for, for a landmark? Somebody could chop that tree down. <laughs> Thanks, Rich. No. <laughs> that Jeep can move. And then you're lost, you know, I remember tree, you know, how are you going to remember that tree? Um, <laughs> um, you, you wanna, that's why when you give directions, you know, you don't say things like, you know, well, if you want to come to my house, you just drive down the road till you see that man who always sits in his driveway with his garage open without a shirt. He's always, when you see him turn right, and then you'll see that lady walking her dog. When you see her turn left, and my house will be the house right next to the, the neighbor who's cutting his grass. Now, the funny thing and why Rin Kim is laughing is that really is directions to my house. <laughs> but, you know, the day you come is the day that guy won't be out there in his driveway and the garage will be closed. I mean, you know, these are not good landmarks. You know, that's why they put those little signs in there and they write words on them and they say, this is the name of this street, right? You can use those to navigate. They don't move. They don't change, right? But, you know, God's word, it says in Psalm 119, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. It's settled. God's word, this right here, is a point of reference, right? It's a fixed 
point of reference. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. My words will outlast heaven and earth. So if you want to navigate through life and know where you're going, you need a reference. <laughs> you need this word, this word. I am, um, um, crystal leave. I wish Josh was here because it's an airplane thing. But you know, when you fly airplanes, because I, I learned how to, um, when I was a teenager, if not flown in years, but uh, we learned how to navigate with the radio beacons, the VORs, we called them, all over the place. They'd put them out in the middle of a cornfield or near an airport, and you dial in your, your instruments, and uh, it will point to that thing, and you can know where you're at in relationship to that radio beacon anywhere you are. It's very helpful, especially if you don't have reference to landmarks like the ground. If you're flying above the clouds or something like that, how in the world would you know where you are, you know? And um, the important thing is they put those in specific places and they don't move them. <laughs> they don't put them on the back of a flatbed truck and just like run back and forth between here and Nashville. <laughs> you know, they have to be somewhere fixed, you know, in reference to the airport so that it's any good. And you could say, yeah, I use GPS now, but even GPS needs a geostationary satellite, right? And if it's one of those that keep moving around, it's going to be really hard to navigate to. You need things that don't move and don't change for a reference to live your life. And God's given us his word. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Hebrews 1 verse 3 says this, he upholds the universe by the word of his power. The universe is dependent on him. His word will not change. So just to give you an example, I love this example. It's from um, the road to Emmaus. You know the stories. Kim read it this morning. Um, but the, look at how Jesus places a premium on the scriptures. Okay, I know, like Rich and I was talking one time, you know, the John says... Um, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. I understand and I agree that the Word actually, you know, existed before this book was written. I agree with that, okay? But also look at how Jesus does place a premium on the written Word here in this and, and keep this in mind. The Scriptures, the Prophets, the Old Testament, okay? They were walking, they were walking on the road. Um, that very day, verse thir Luke 24, 13, Two of them were going to a village named Emmaus. Now, this is right after, you know, Jesus was crucified. They laid him in the tomb. His body's missing. They don't know what's going on, okay? About, about seven miles from Jerusalem. So seven miles, I'm guessing, you know, you're walking a 20-minute 20, 20 mile. Uh, you're probably, you know, at least two hour, a little more than two-hour walk. So, so they've got some time out here on the road. They were talking to each other about these things that had happened, and while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. So now Jesus, now there's three. Jesus is walking with them. But this is so important. Their eyes were kept from recognizing him. You know, just because you don't see Jesus in your circumstance doesn't mean he's not here. Doesn't mean he's not helping you. Doesn't mean he's not walking with you through it. That's encouraging. Because sometimes you get in a cloud <laughs> you can't see up from down, right from wrong. You know what I mean? You know, when you fly an airplane, um, one of the things we had to learn when I was training was, you know, we had our, now they have these glass cockpits with all these screens. It's so cool. But we had these bass, the old-fashioned six instruments that we had to learn what they do. 
And at some point we're flying along and, and uh, what we had to do was prove that we were able to control the airplane only by looking at those. In case we ever accidentally flew into a cloud or something, we would be able to get out, okay? I'm just talking for the basic private pilot license. I'm not talking about beyond that, but we had to demonstrate just that basic level of being able to control the airplane. So you're just flying along and all of a sudden the instructor puts, we call it a hood, goes on your head and it comes down like this and you can't see anything but the instruments. He says, okay, you just flew into a cloud, get out. And so you have to control the airplane. And um, let me tell you, when you lose your horizon, you feel all kinds of things, you know, in your body. It's kind of hard to know. But you had to believe what those instruments were telling you. You had to believe they were telling you the truth. And you had, because your life at this point is dependent on them. And so when you're walking along with Jesus and you end up in the storm and you can't tell if you're upside down, right side up or not, you have got to believe this. Because if you will just fly by this until you can see clearly again, this will get you through. This will get you out. If you start going by how you feel at the moment, you'll probably end up in some kind of spiral or unrecoverable situation. It'll be the grace of God who will rescue you at that point. But if you're going through something, keep doing what you know is right, what he's told you to do. And you'll come out of those clouds and you'll see clearly. Don't know how long it'll take. Don't know how big that front is. But you'll come through it. So their eyes were kept from recognizing them, yet he was present right there with them. Their eyes were kept from recognizing him. He said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stop and they're looking at him, looking sad. And they said, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that are happening here these days? I, I kind of detect a little sarcasm in that, actually. Are you the only one who has not heard? Where have you been, under a rock or something? I think he kind of knew, but he was, hey, he was, he was asking him, what's going on? He says, have, are you the only one who doesn't know what's happened? So he says, what things? And he lets them tell him what's going on. And he listens. They said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, might, was a prophet, mighty indeed, mighty in word before God and all the people, how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it's now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were here with us, they went to the tomb to look, and they found everything just like they said, but they didn't see him. I think that would have been a great time right there for Jesus to say, guess what? They were right. <laughs> It's me. <laughs> Look at my hands. Look at my side, you know. But he didn't, did he? He didn't. See, they had this supernatural revelation. They saw angels, and they still didn't believe the angels, did they? And here's Jesus walking with them in the flesh. He can manifest himself to them at any time, but on purpose, he didn't give them that. Why? Read on. He's directing them to something. He said to them, Oh, foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Who was speaking through the prophets? God was speaking through the prophets. 
Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures things concerning himself. He hides this miraculous presentation of himself so that he could show them a revelation of himself through this, through Moses. That's the law. That's the first five through the prophets. He wants them to be rooted in this book right here. He wants them to have an anchor because the women came back from the tomb and said, we saw angels and everybody's skeptical. These guys could run back and they could say, we found him and look, here he is in here. This is what he said that was gonna happen from the beginning. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? So he says, uh, so they drew, they drew near to the village where they were going and he acted as if he were going farther. They still don't know who he is, but they urged him strongly saying, stay with us for it's toward the evening and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to them. And then their eyes were opened. They recognized him. And then he vanishes from their sight. <laughs> and they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while we he talked to us on the road, while he opened up the scriptures to us? I'll tell you, I would have loved to have been on that walk because I want to know what he said about himself <laughs> through all these scriptures, you know? That would have been an awesome walk. But um, didn't our hearts burn within us as he opened us the scriptures? He wants us to be rooted in the word, but he also wants us to be able, see, the more you are rooted in the word, the more you could reach out into supernatural things of God. See, the spirit will never contradict the word. You know, now there's things Jesus said. He says, you know, when I go to the Father, you're going to do greater things than I did. So like every little thing we do is not necessarily documented. We may do, you know, I prayed for a friend one time over, over Facebook. This is back when I had Facebook and uh, he had a back problem and uh, we were just going back and forth in private chat and uh, prayed for him. I actually didn't really pray for him. I ministered healing to him. And he, I didn't even know it, but I went and saw him a couple weeks later. He goes, dude, whatever you did to my back, it worked. <laughs> he was like, my back, it never hurt since. It was amazing. But you know, Jesus never did that. <laughs> Because they didn't have computers. They didn't have internet, right? So there, there are things that we will do in the kingdom of God that you won't necessarily find a verse that says somebody in the Bible did that before you, but we will never contradict the word. If we find ourselves ever in contradiction to what is written in the scriptures, we better check ourselves. Because what's it say in Galatians? Even if an angel comes and preaches to you another gospel, let him be accursed. I'll say it again, he said, if somebody else, even an angel comes and preaches to you another gospel other than what you've heard, let him be accursed. So we're not looking for revelations that are beyond this. We're looking to be rooted in this and then to grow in God. And so why is this, you know, why is this important for us? Well, first of all, God wants to work in your lives supernaturally. He wants to do things that only he can do. And it, it's not just the stirring up all the time. Sometimes it's a settling down and put, planting your feet on something solid. You know, in boxing, footing is everything, right? You know, you've got to be on solid ground. The person who has the better footing has a better fighting position, right? We need to be planted in him. We need to be rooted in him. And just like those heroes of faith in, in Hebrews 11, who ordered their lives in accordance with what God was doing. 
God is doing things. God has made promises. He's coming for a glorious church. He wants the gospel to continue to increase in the world. He wants there to be signs and wonders and healings and miracles. And we wanna be the people who he uses to do those, not the people who are just on the outside looking in. And we need to order our lives in such a way that, uh, well, first of all, that he can use us, right? And secondly, just like those heroes of faith ordered their lives believing the promises of God, if I believe this, I will order my life and live a certain way too. Amen? Amen. So we have a, again, we have a job to do. <laughs> we have a job to do, but it's not a legalism. We're not trying to work to earn our salvation, but because we're saved, we need to settle down. We need to root ourselves into this word. We need to grow in him. And we need to understand that what he is doing, he is bringing this, he's bringing this world to a predetermined end. He's, predict, he's prophesied it. He's working in the world to bring it to pass. And we are the people he's using to do it. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that what you have done, what you have worked in the, in the, in the earth for, for, for centuries, Lord, to bring us this book, to bring us this word, Lord. We thank you for it. We, we respect it. We thank you that it was you speaking in the Old Testament. But most importantly, we thank you now that through your son, you can speak to us because you've come to make your home with us and you live with us. I thank you that we hear your voice. Lord, I thank you that you are present with us and you're taking us through any situation that we need. In Jesus' name, Father, make yourself real to us as we show ourselves to be real to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.